Welcome to the Tori Says Show. Today is the 1st of October, which means we have exactly 33 days until elections. That's 33 days. And there is so much happening. Uh, uh, We have the generals uprising. We've got Gina Haspel finally thrown into the mix. Finally. Because she's been MIA for a very long time. Considering she's somebody that has a lot of information and she's blocking it. And the the thing is, okay, she was told, hey, don't make this hard, right? We need cooperation from the CIA and you need to make this easy for all of us. And if there's something there, we need to put it out. But the question is, does this demonstrate and show methods and, uh, you know, how and who and what, that's the thing. That is the problem, and this is where the hindrance is coming. So Shadowgate did a lot by uh, bringing to light something that a lot of people don't want to talk about, and it's what is going on within our Department of Defense. See, the problem with people who are in power, and this isn't just the elected ones that we see are clinging on to power with their claws right now. They're grasping at straws too. They really want to stay within power. They will, if they are reelected, people like Pelosi and Schiff, they're going to get impeached after um, the president of the United States swears back in. They are getting impeached, and I am going to actively seek to impeach Lindsey Graham. I do not believe, uh, you know, because the administration can only do so much. It's up to us, the people, to hold these people accountable by saying, oh, you know, it's a, no, it's easily done. It's not that hard if people get together and say, you know what, we don't want this in our country anymore. We want transparency. It shouldn't be a partisan issue. And uh, people shouldn't be considering it something partisan. That, that, that That's insane. So, you know, the, the, the Post put out a piece 
yesterday about distrust between the president and Pentagon leadership. And the president does not hide it, that he bashes, uh, you know, current and past uh, DOD officials and, you know, calls them tools of the military industrial complex because it is true. And like I've said, it's not just the retired generals that are the problem because General Hayden had no issue yesterday issuing what I consider to be a threat. Too late. Goodbye, he says to President Trump. And I've, I'm a little, a little bit, I'm, I'm saddened because there are actual journalists out there that are not part of the military industrial complex, that are not blue check marks, that are not on our television set, that are doing hard, honest work. But none of them will touch this, which makes me think, like, why isn't anyone talking about the report that they did? See, the president wants to surround himself with individuals that actually know their stuff. He wants to surround himself, as you see, he has his family members, but he wants to surround himself with people that he can trust, that are loyal to the nation, not to him, to the nation. And they're not letting him. Because you saw that yesterday during the hearing with Comey, how they said, well, you know, we look at, you know, debt and this and the president may be, you know, anybody can be compromised if they have debt. But I mentioned it yesterday and I didn't elaborate on it, but we had this conversation before that the systems and the way that they choose supposed patriots to be within the IC and the FBI is wrong. Because like you're not going to find someone squeaky clean. And one might say, well, you know, if you suck at your finances, you know, in your 20s or your 30s, for that matter, or you had a divorce and you have all this debt or you have like 20 kids or five kids from five different baby mamas, you shouldn't be allowed to have a position of trust. Well, that's wrong. Just because you suck, you know, in your 20s or your 30s to manage your finances uh, from going to college, from drinking too much, testing all those drugs, because, you know, there's a time for that, the drinking and the drugs, and that's when you're in college or grad school, right? So why would they hold that against someone that would be exceptional? And that's because they want their own, okay? That's because they want their own. They marry them off and they want their own within this position, uh, within the IC, within uh, the FBI, within all state positions, they're all their own people. So they exclude people on the basis, well, you know, if you have debt, you're compromised because someone can buy you. Shut up. No, you have AI, you know where someone's floor is and uh, <laughs> where their limits are. You can tell you have all this social media, you know. You know who'd be like, man, I don't care if I've got $3 million in debt and I've got, you know, well, obviously b bills to pay or whatever, but I'm managing, I'm floating above water, I'm making my salary. Oh, look, the Chinese guy said, I'll give you a couple million dollars and you won't have to worry about money again or your debts or anything. Just tell me, right? That's their scenario. And it's like, man, I'd rather burn at the stake than burn my country. And there's 
millions of people like that out there. And a lot of people will say, well, you don't know if you're not stuck in that position. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. Your values show from your the things you like, the things you hate, the private conversations you have. I mean, we have access to all that. So we already know. We already know, um, you know, where they lie and what they what they cover. So why am I telling you this? And because it was the point that the Democrats were taking home. Okay. It was the point that the Democrats were taking home and nobody is talking about it. They circled around it a couple times. Blumenthal, Hirono talked about it. Other people talked about it and nobody talks about it. And it's like, don't you see, he's probably got people lined up to fill his agencies, his White House, and not just his family who's under the microscope, and they already issued a report. You're not allowed to have a clearance because our company, Clearforce, you know, the one that General Hayden and Jones have, say that they're not responsible or they're compromised or, you know, they hung out with XYZ. So, and it's like, dude, shut up. No, he's the president. He can pick whoever he wants. You can take your Clearforce and put it up your butt. And any contract we have with agencies using Clearforce, also needs to go because clear force is how they keep their own people and the people they control within there. Put it this way. Clear force has blackmail on every single American there is. <laughs> yes, they do. They know your deepest, darkest secrets. They know everything. So the question you should be asking yourself is, all right, so if we know they're this corrupt, why do they have contracts with everyone? Uh, hello. That happened during Obama. Okay, that totally happened during Obama. So then, what is it then? How do we do this? Here's how we do it President Trump pulls the Clear Force contract and says, No, nah, man, we're going to go and use the technology we have correctly. We are not going to decide with a computer system of ones and zeros the way it is. We're going to use AI correct, which is AI will give you a profile. Here's the limits of the person. Here is where they will push. Here's where they're dubious. You can find it all out. Hey, this one believes in aliens. This one doesn't. Even if they believe in aliens, they don't talk about it. This one does, but only with close people. Uh, do they tell their friends secrets? Yeah, let's look. Well, here they are talking with their friends. Well, I don't know. Is it, they, they said the secret because it was about safety. Okay, then that's okay. But this one's keeping a secret. That's great. This person can't keep a secret. Great. You can monitor that. You can see that. We have all that data. It's all about data. So again, the thing that they are driving home is one, oh, we got his taxes and he only paid $750. So yeah, he's got a badass accountant that I want because I paid more in taxes than he did. I want his accountant. So, you know, they're using that to jab him. Remember, just like I said, during the, the, the um, debate, they started using like, oh yeah, your money, this, this, because that's his pain point. He was always part of the crew, but because he wasn't nefarious like them, because he didn't do drugs or drink or do what they did. Right. He just, you know, he, he had a thing for girls. Why not? Whatever. You know, I'd have a thing for girls and boys. I'll tell you that if I was Donald Trump, I'm just saying that would be my vice too. But they're attacking him where it hurts him. Because remember, he's the guy that has put so much into his businesses. You know, that's his like, that's his personal pain point. And in, 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 in Tarzan Wallace used that. 
he, he used that. So when they're talking about money, it's not just about him and his family. It's about people that he wants within his administration. It's people that he wants to put in places that are important to him to establish a new oversight office with actual people that will do the work and they are coming at it. It's not just the president. Again, Listening to the whole hearing, I re-listened to it after I uploaded it on YouTube uh, because I cut it like I said I would because yesterday we had Comey hearing show and then Comey hearing. So on YouTube, I uploaded uh, just the Tory says show and then the Comey hearing and re-listening to the hearing again myself, I noticed, man, it's so blatant. Why is nobody talking about this? Anyway, but we did see that the Washington Post picked up on issues that they're having because um, President Trump has no problem calling out the military industrial complex. He knows what's up. I mean, even from Trachtenberg, that was a big blow. Okay. But, um, you know, even Asper is telling people, yo, just keep your mouth shut. If you're active duty or retired, stop talking about politics because this is a problem because the problem that they're having is the active duty people that are talking and we can see everything. We hear everything, even when you're with your beers in your yard, wearing your smartwatch and your phone, we hear everything. We know where you are and you're not getting that cushy contract when you're out. That's the problem. They're upset because the military personnel are concerned that when they get out, they're not going to have the setup. That's It's like a churnout. You do your time, then you come out, and you're just rolling in the dough. That's basically it. So Jim Townsend said, there's great unease at the Pentagon. And he's the uh, former deputy assistant, former of the defense of European and NATO policy during the Obama administration. He said, there's uneasiness amongst the professionals there, both military and civilian. Yeah, they better be because we don't need career officials in the State Department or the Department of Defense, right, that just sit there and look after the people that consider themselves Praetorians. We don't need Praetorians. A Praetorian looks after the leader, whoever that may be. And that's not President Trump for sure. So you have to ask yourself, who are they really protecting? Oh, guess we got to look at which brass they put on a pedestal. But all of them are rumoring that Esper is going to go. Um, and um, a lot of people are saying that he's going to uh, fire Esper. When, when, um, you remember when they, um, when they clashed on how Esper's like, no, we're going to, we're not deploying active military troops to, to squash all these riots that are going on. And then the president abandoned that plan. Um, the active duty, you know, to send them out. Uh, it's, it's, it's bizarre because see, the president understands that the national guard is really under the control of the governor unless activated by the president himself first. Right. So it's a uh, touch and go. But um, the Washington Post, again, put this phrase in their article. Other observers believe the military ultimately may have to oust Mr. Trump. That's President Trump to you from the White House. If he loses to Mr. Biden, but refuses to leave, the president had said he'll accept the results of a fair election. What? What? 
I kid you not, they said that. Here they are preemptively putting this out there to the world. And this is a big problem because, like I said, they're going to declare that Biden won, even though he didn't, even though he didn't. Biden supposedly wins and we need to get rid of President Trump because he won't go away. <laughs> Man, can't wait till Shadowgate too. Actually, um, today I was supposed to go out um, to meet with the producer because we needed to finish off a couple of things, but I will be there tomorrow early in the morning to finish it off only because today... Um, with, um, you know, on Twitch for the Amazon Prime members, we're watching Feed, and it's episode two today. So um, I'm excited to see it. I've been very good and didn't watch ahead or anything. Um, <laughs> so I can't do it today. Uh, so I can say that Shadowgate 2 delay because uh, we need to tidy up the a few parts in Shadowgate 3 because even though Shadowgate 2 is complete, Shadowgate 3 has to also be complete. So they all tell a story together. So Shadowgate 1 was the introduction. So we need to get that kind of strung in together. Um, so the press secretary had a conference today, and I want us to hear her conference together and see what she had to say. It was quite feisty right out the door, and I was just like, whoa, um, boom. It was just like, boom, let's start. And I was just like, oh, whoa, yeah, okay, let's do this. <laughs> so here we go. Here's the press secretary. Let's see. There we go. Antonin Scalia. In 2017, Judge Barrett was confirmed in a bipartisan vote to serve on the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. In support of her 2017 nomination, colleagues described Judge Barrett as, quote, a model of the fair, impartial, and sympathetic judge. Judge Barrett is not only a qualified jurist, but a woman of great character. Judge Barrett is a devoted working mom of seven ch children, including two adopted from Haiti and one child born with special needs. Judge Barrett is full of compassion and empathy, and she understands the needs of our nation's most vulnerable. Judge Barrett would become the first ever mother of school-aged children to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. If confirmed, Judge Barrett would be the only Republican-appointed woman on the court and the fifth woman in the court's history. Her qualifications are many. Her character is unquestionable. Her devotion to the Constitution and interpreting the law as written is steadfast. Judge Amy Coney Barrett is the right choice to serve on the Supreme Court. And with that, I will take questions. Uh, Kelly, if I could start off, um, I'd like to ask you for a definitive and declarative statement without ambiguity or deflection. As the person who speaks for the president, does the president denounce white supremacism and groups that espouse it in all their forms? This has been answered yesterday by the president himself, the day before by the president himself on the debate stage. The president was asked this. He said, sure, three times. Yesterday, he was point blank 
blank asked, do you uh, denounce white supremacy? And he said, I've always denounced any form of that. I can go back and read for you um, in August 2019 in one voice, our nation must condemn racism, bigotry and white supremacy. In August of 2017, racism is evil and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists and other hate groups. I have an entire list of these quotes that I can go through with you. He has condemned white supremacy more than any president in modern history. Just to clear it up this morning, can you, naming it, make a declarative statement that you denounce, that the president denounces it? I just did. Uh, the president has denounced this repeatedly. The, the you, president was asked this. You're you just, making, you're contriving no, a storyline and a narrative. I'm asking you to put he this said, to rest. I just did. I read you all of the quotes. And if you need quotes, to see them in writing, I will put them in an email. Hold on. So, Kaylee, can, can you right now denounce white supremacy and the group that is The president has denounced white supremacy, the KKK, and hate groups in all forms. He signed a resolution to that effect. Uh, The president just last week, perhaps you all weren't covering it, but just last week expressed his desire to see the KKK prosecuted as domestic terrorists. This president uh, had advocated for the death penalty for a white supremacist, the first federal execution in 17 years. His record on this is unmistakable, and it's shameful that the media refuses to cover it. Yes. Thank you. The FBI and the Department of Homeland Security say that racially motivated violent extremism is one of the deadliest threats that we face in the U.S. Does this White House agree with that assessment and what is it doing to combat this threat? The president um, has done quite a bit to combat this threat. First of all, last week, he also, in addition to saying he wants to prosecute the KKK as domestic terrorists, he said uh, that lynching should be a national hate crime. Again, I think there's no stronger signal that you can send than advocating for the execution of a white supremacist the first time there's been a federal execution in 17 years. He's been unmistakable. It's different than actually doing it. He's continually condemned it, and it is really... record on this is mixed. It is not mixed. At times, he said he didn't want to acknowledge it or address it. His record is very mixed on this issue. His record is not mixed in the slightest. And when you go back in history, you can see that. History right here. When you go back in history, you can see that Jesse Jackson has praised the president as someone who served underserved communities. This president with Mar-a-Lago, it was the first Palm Beach club open to African-Americans and Jews. Um, and in fact, his record he, was, he has he not been raised. consistent on the issue of white supremacy. So I'm asking you, what has this White House done it quite to combat it is what white the FBI says is one of the deadliest threats in this country? We're not having a debate on a case you're, 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 you're right now. You're saying that he condemns it. I have his record right here. You need to let me finish. His record is quite funny that the media goes haywire about interrupting in debates and then chooses to pursue that very same tactic themselves. This is a White House briefing. You ask a question and you give me time to answer. Yes. Kaylee, the president said at the debate that Roe versus Wade was not on the ballot and that Judge Amy Coney Barrett's view was not known. She signed a newspaper ad in 2006 which called for, quote, an end to the barbaric legacy of Roe versus Wade. And the president has explicitly promised to support judges that overturn Roe. Was he downplaying her views on Tuesday night? And what do you say to the American public about whether Roe is on the ballot? Uh, The president has been clear that he would never ask a judge to prejudge a case. Um, Judge Amy Coney Barrett has um, on multiple occasions said it is never appropriate for a judge to impose that judge's personal convictions, whether they derive from faith or anywhere else on the law. Um, She said that she continues to stand and vehemently believe the core proposition that if there is ever a conflict between a judge's personal conviction and that judge's duty under the 
rule of law, it is never, ever possible for that judge to follow their personal convictions in the decision of a case rather than what the law requires. The president expects her to overturn Roe. He has said he would only appoint judges. The, pres the president would never ask a judge to prejudge a case. And what I would also say um, is we fully expect uh, that the Ginsburg rule be followed throughout the course of these proceedings. Uh, it was then Senator Joe Biden who set the Ginsburg rule um, in saying that there are no questions on how Ginsburg will decide any specific cases that may come before her. Um, and Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg indeed um, applied that rule throughout the course of her hearing on the First Amendment religion. Say clause. that her views are not known. Will the president commit to participating in the next debate before the commission changes the rules? Um, first, with regard to the commission rule changes, the president um, made clear his view on that yesterday, that he thinks the only way there's a fair debate is change in the moderator and a change in the Democrat nominee. He wants to debate. Um, he plans on being at the debate, but he wants the rules to be fair and wants a fair exchange and doesn't want rules that cover for a certain candidate's inability to perform well. Yes. Thank you, Kayla. Can you explain why it's appropriate for the president to be uh, holding rallies this weekend in two areas that this White House has declared to be red zones in Wisconsin? Yes. So um, the president believes that um, people have a First Amendment right to political speech. Um, he is having a rally. People can choose whether or not to come. But the governor has, has begged the White House to please not continue having events like this. Your own coronavirus task force says this is an area that people need to be really careful and double down on social distancing. So why is it right for the president to be coming in there and holding another rally? Well, we employ measures um, to protect rally goers. Um, we encourage. We've all covered these rallies. And people are shoved together. There are thousands of people standing close to each other. Did you watch the nominees rally yesterday? There was no social distancing there. So I assume you guys expressed the same uh, line of questioning uh, to the Democrats. But what I would say is this is there really seems to be two standards of health in this country, one for Trump supporters and one for everyone else. Uh, you had 1,300 health experts literally sign a letter that said, we do not condemn these gatherings, speaking of the protests that we all saw play out. We do not condemn these gatherings as risky for COVID-19 transmission. We support them as vital to the national public health. So it's vital if you're protesting, uh, but somehow political speech is no longer vital when it comes to a Trump supporter. Caitlin. So the Proud Boys are people who consider them to be members of this group. Give voice to these misogynistic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant views. They're a despicable group by pretty much anyone's standards. So when the president was asked about them and you say he denounced them, that's what you're insisting that he did on the debate stage the other night. If that's the case, then why are they celebrating what the president said on the debate stage in front of millions of people? I don't speak for that group, so I'm not sure why you're asking me why they're saying a certain thing. If someone denounced you, you probably wouldn't put it on a t-shirt and make badges of it, right? The president did denounce them. He was asked, will you tell them to stand down? He said, sure. And went on to stand by, which seems like an instruction. He said, stand back. And then just yesterday when he was asked, he said specifically, stand down. Um, a synonym with stand back. And the president said, sure, when asked by the moderator whether they should stand down. So no, again, he said another, it's, it's really interesting, too, to see that the media seems to be the only only one putting the names of these groups into headlines, into media reporting. Uh, he didn't know who the Proud Boys were. The first time I heard of them was in the debate. Uh, but the media uh, continues to put these names into circulation and give them a lot of public attention. It was given about Justin. 12 hours, more than that, since from the debate from when he was asked to clarify yesterday. And he didn't come out and clarify yesterday. Instead, he did what you did when John asked you to unambiguously denounce these groups. You just pointed to past things that you've said. You can't. I just don't understand why you knew you were going to get these questions and you don't have a statement ready to just say, we do unambiguously denounce these groups. Yeah, and you know what is...
Okay. So you know why people have lost trust in the media? There was a reporter from your network yesterday, your network, and in a tweet said, quote, I'm asking you a question. What, I, I don't even know what you're going to bring up, but that has nothing to do with what I'm here, asking you. I sat here when you lobbed your partisan attack question, so you will allow me to give an answer. The president and someone from your network said yesterday in a tweet, the president dodged a question about white supremacy. That was a tweet from a CNN reporter. The president specifically, verbatim, was asked yesterday, white supremacy, do you denounce them? To which he responded, I have always denounced any form of that. Those are the facts. And CNN, I know that truth is of no moment to your network, but those are the facts. They're not the facts. Why are Republicans? Republicans are calling on the president to be more forceful. His own party. I have a question about unemployment, but I first wanted to clean up something from your opening. You said Judge Barrett was a Rhodes Scholar. Um, I'm not sure that that's true. Um, I that's what I have written she here. She attended Rhodes College. She attended Rhodes College, College so, so my bad. Very different thing. Yes. All right. Um, anyway, it, within the last week, around fifty thousand workers, Disney, United, American Airlines, have all lost their jobs. There's negotiations going up on Capitol Hill, but there seems to be. Um, uh, a division between Treasury Se- Secretary Mnuchin, who uh, has expressed some willingness and, and ability to work with Speaker Pelosi, and Chief of Staff Meadows, who uh, is widely reported to be against uh, sort of moving forward with this deal, was up on the Hill speaking with Senator McConnell yesterday, but not involved in the actual talks. At this point, isn't it time for the president, especially considering the tight calendar before the election, to step in himself and have these conversations? And, you know, this came up at the, at the debate the other night. If not now, when for for uh, the president to get involved? Yeah. So, you know, first I would say Nancy Pelosi is not being serious. If she becomes serious, then we can have a discussion here. But I, and we, we, we raised our offer. But when you lower your offer, $2.2 trillion, and you ask for direct payments to illegal immigrants, and you ask for uh, certain deportation uh, forgivenesses in your offer, it's not a serious offer. What we are talking about here is relief for the American people, for American citizens, not direct payments to illegal immigrants. We raised our offer to $1.6 trillion. Among that was $250 billion for state and local. The $250 billion for state and local is the estimated loss because of COVID. Uh, and also there's $150 billion for schools, $50 billion above what Nancy Pelosi asked for. It is a good proposal, but it's one that she is not interested in. And you have one more question? Well, I was just going to follow up on whatever you Yeah, no, go ahead. So if immigration is a stumbling block and this deal is not going not gonna to get done because that, um, you know, Chief Meadows in the past had said that you guys were looking at unilateral executive actions on airline aid. Specifically, we're seeing massive layoffs in that sector right now. Uh, he'd also said that there might be other things available for uh, the millions of other Americans who are facing joblessness right now. But are any of those things going to happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and it's very sad to see what's happening in the airline industry. I met a few of the airline workers on a flight who uh, would lose their job. And their, their lo- job loss, 19,000 people facing layoffs, is because of Nancy Pelosi. The White House right now, you talk about unilateral action. We are willing to look at a plan, uh, legislation that is just clean legislation to protect those airline workers. Nancy Pelosi, um, rather than playing election partisan politics, should come to the negotiating table. Let's consolidate around things we agree on. And I think something we can agree on is 19,000 workers should not lose their job in the airlines. So it's incumbent upon Nancy Pelosi to engage with Secretary Mnuchin and the chief of staff um, on making that a reality. Yes. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, as you know, the president has criticized the mail-in voting process quite a bit over the last few weeks. 
the other day he said they found a lot of ballots in a river. Who is they? Um, so the, what the president was referring to are um, something that we've seen just in the last seven days where in Wisconsin, uh, there were trails of May ending up in a ditch. I, that's, I believe, the specific he was referring to. Um, and that included we're, absentee ballots. We're, we're specifically in this particular statement, though, who is they that found those ballots? And where is this river anywhere in this country? The local authorities. It was a ditch in Wisconsin that they were found. And I can get the article to your inbox if you like. And, and beyond that. Fine. If, if he misspoke, that's fine. No, so that's, he meant, that's, he, he I meant a, he meant a, a, that's what a the president ditch was referring rather than a river. To. And you're really, you're missing the forest for the trees here. The point is. No, I, I, like, I cover the, the news. And is, I like to report accurately in the news. And when the president says they found a lot of ballots in a river, I simply want to know where the river is. No, you simply want to ignore the fact of the matter again i gotta ask so many questions about this in my thoughts affiliates where is this river allow me i can't give them an accurate information allow me and that's why i'm asking you this is this is what is happening here you are ignoring the problem here which is last week in pennsylvania you had ballots found in a ditch that is a fact in wisconsin seven military ballots all marked for trump were found cast aside. There are problems with mass mail-in vo voting. I under I actually don't understand the lack of journalistic curiosity and reporting on this. There used to be there used to be curiosity. Where's In fact, the, the Washington Post before President Trump uh, highlighted the problems with mail-in voting. They said the result was an unexpected stress test of mail balloting systems when this was tried, many of which were designed to handle only a small portion of the vote and are not ready to scale up in response to the pandemic. So the media once said oh, no mail-in voting is not ready to scale up in the middle of a pandemic. Now there's no journalistic curiosity there's when we're no finding Trump asking you about it. cast aside. There's no journalistic curiosity when a hundred I'm asking you where the river is and you can't give an were sent out if, you, if you say the president uh, Ballots and then and say you made a ditch. I just want to know where the river is. I'm very curious. Where's the river? Yes. That's curiosity. Uh, Julie, Senator Kim Scott uh, said the president misspoke at the debate on white supremacy. Did he misspeak? And uh, has he spoken to the president? When the president announced white supremacy and said, sure, no, he did not misspeak. Has he spoken to Senator Scott? Yes. Has he spoken to Senator Scott? Yes. Kaylee, um, the 1.6 trillion that the administration has voted to Speaker Pelosi, is that the highest top line that the administration is going to go? And Speaker Pelosi also just said that she's expecting a counteroffer from the administration. Is the White House and Secretary of Nation preparing one right now? Yeah, um, right now we have the 1.6 trillion number, and I'll let you know if that number goes up. Yes. Thanks, Kaylee. How does the White House interpret the Pope's refusal to meet with Secretary of State Pompeo? Um, I have not spoken to the president about that, so I'd have to get back to you on that. Yes. Kelly, I want to ask you about the statement from the president, Vladimir Putin, and Emmanuel Macron about the conflict in Nagorno-Karabakh. Uh, How worried is this White House that this conflict is going to escalate beyond a regional dispute? Yeah. Um, sorry. Back up one second. What was the top of your question? There it was about the we just signed. Yeah, there is a statement I understand that was put out by Vladimir Putin, Emmanuel Macron, and also Donald Trump that calls for peaceful negotiations. Our media, Azerbaijan. Right. 
Um, yeah, so President Trump, along with President Putin, as you noted, and President Macron, uh, representing the co-chair countries of the OSCE Minsk Group, um, released a statement condemning in the strongest terms the recent escalation of the violence along uh, the line of contact uh, in the conflict zone, and we call for an immediate cessation of hostilities between the relevant military forces. And we also call on the leaders of Armenia and Azerbaijan to commit without delay to resuming substantive negotiations in good faith and without preconditions under the auspices of the OSCE uh, Minsk group uh, co-chairs. Is there, though, just quickly yes. follow up, is there concern about sort of regional powers, major regional powers being drawn into this? Is that something that the White House is sort of actively trying to combat? Um, that's all I have to say on that matter at this time. Yes. For you. One about uh, the list of former uh, Soviet administration officials uh, working out against President Trump and supporting Joe Biden is growing. Is the president concerned about these dissidents and what they are talking about? No, we're not concerned. Uh, the people who have come out are people who um, don't have personal interactions with the president and they're uh, peddling things that are falsehoods um, to advance their careers. And I have a question about the Latin vote. Um, what is President Trump's strategy to convince the Latino voters beyond the Cubans and Catholics uh, to vote for him? What is, the, uh, what is the importance of the Latino vote for him? Yeah, uh, the president um, believes that he has a lot of accomplishments for the Latino community, um, in particular, historic low unemployment, a thriving economy, uh, historic high home ownership for Latino men and women in this country. Those are things that President Trump made possible um, and will bring back in this economic recovery um, that we're seeing, this V-shaped recovery. Um, and I'm also, I'm, I'm glad you asked that point specifically because there was some new data uh, that came out that said, uh, as we're recovering the super V-shaped recovery, we've regained nearly for the Hispanic community, nearly six in 10 jobs lost among Hispanic Americans were regained. And it took Obama Biden an entire year to recover that many jobs. So the V-shaped recovery is indeed a V-shaped recovery um, for Hispanic men and women this, in this country, especially. Oh, yes. Yes. Against Thank you. Do you think this could hurt? The president believes um, that the Latino population very much wants a lawful immigration system. And also, we believe his law and order message um, is resonating and very important um, as voters want to be secure in their homes and secure in their streets. Yes. Thank you, Kaylee. The president recently unveiled his platinum plan, which is geared toward the black community, uh, promises to create 3 million new jobs, uh, 500 billion dollars in access to capital. Uh, it's a lot of money, and, and nobody really seems to be talking about that. Can you tell us how this assistance will be administered and how the White House will follow up to track the success of the plan? Yeah, this is a very important plan um, for the Black community. It's also, it bears mentioning that in the pandemic, as we've regained jobs, roughly four in 10 jobs lost among Black Americans have been gained, and because it took Donald Obama Trump Biden two years to do that. So we're indeed outpacing um, and job growth for the Black community and the Latino community. Um, and the president has um, promised this community that he's looking to create 3 million jobs um, in the next term. Uh, he wants to create 500,000 new Black-owned businesses, increase access to capital in Black communities, almost 500 billion. He's done that with Opportunity Zones, and it's estimated that about a million people uh, will be lifted out of poverty and given opportunity because of this, among another of uh, among another um, number of items, I should say, in the plan uh, where he wants to 
prosecute the KKK as domestic terrorists and make lynching um, a federal crime. Again, all of that lost upon the media as they misreport, take out of context, ignore the verbatim words of this president uh, when he denounced white supremacy yesterday, when he denounced it at the debate, when he's denounced it more than any other president um, in modern history. Um, and in fact, something else lost upon the media is the absolute turning of a blind eye to Antifa. Uh, carrying the water for Democrats, the media, it apparently agrees with Jerry Nadler that Antifa violence is a myth. Um, in August Senate hearings, Democrats refused to condemn Antifa. Again, no journalistic curiosity here, despite the fact that Andy Najo, uh, who was a victim of Antifa, said Democrats have mastered, Democrats, he should add the media too, have mastered the art of making its violence appear innocuous. Um, their violence isn't innocuous. Antifa is not an idea. Um, Andy Najo can tell you that because he was beaten by a group of protesters, Antifa protesters, suffering brain bleed. Another man can tell you this, who in 2019, the victim, his name was Adam Kelly, suffered from and got tables in his head, but still silence from Democrats, ignoring this group from Democrats. I mean, in fact, as we just saw recently, there was a Trump supporter who was killed by a 100% Antifa man. That is how he described himself. And again, no reporting here, but I guess I did the job of the media by getting this information myself. Uh, this man who was 100% Antifa, this man, in fact, had been arrested before at 2 a.m. on July 5th in a public protest carrying an illegal weapon. He resisted arrest. Uh, he was taken to jail where he was merely given a citation, put back on the streets. And the very next month, this 100% Antifa man was lying in wait before he killed an innocent Trump supporter. Ideas do not target police officers. Ideas do not burn down buildings. Ideas do not kill innocent Americans. Organizations do. And Democrats should condemn the shameful in the same manner President Trump continues to condemn white supremacy. He's not condemning white supremacy. He's not condemning white supremacy. China is going to eat our lunch? Come on, man. We want to see China rise. It is in our self-interest that China continue to prosper. They're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, they're competition for us. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world, and selfishly for the United States. We want China to grow. What are we, what are we worried about? So we saw an insane press, didn't we? Rabid, vicious, disrespectful. They really don't care about the news. They just want their sound bites. They want to take this broad brush and paint racism all over this president because the one thing that he has done is to unify the people. Unification is important. Very important. Because a unified America is an unstoppable America. And when there's an unstoppable America, that means we don't get bullied around. We don't have to create jobs for other nations. We are able to dictate our own economy. This is where we're at. I like the fact that everyone was trying to paint another brush. Oh, he's working with Putin in that, you know, conflict in Armenia. It's like losers. Hey, didn't we just pass a, a notice through the Senate and actually put it out, declaration that we acknowledge the Armenian genocide? Isn't Russia the one supporting the Armenians? So why wouldn't he be working with 
Putin to stop the war and further genocide and land grabbing of Armenia. I don't understand. These are the things that should be pointed out. Every single military industrial complex mouthpiece is sitting in the White House press room. Now, I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to jump over to um, some uh, someone that you don't like hearing from just a little bit. Um, and I wanted to go to where the questions were. Of course, Pelosi. Okay, nobody wants to hear her. But it's important we hear what she says. Uh, because I know all of us want to tune out because she's rubbish. She's not who you think she is. But what we have to do is listen to her because she tells us exactly what they're going to do. Rules of the game. Transparency is necessary. So here's where I think it's over here. Let's see. To their tax cut at the high end. Yeah. I hope okay, they right be wedded this. to a tax uh, credit for low-income children and families in our country. These negotiations between you and the administration have been going on for a couple of months now. Do you see this round of negotiations as the last chance to get something done before election day? They have, with all due respect, they haven't gone on from, um, we had them early on and there's been a, a, a pause and now they've called and said they're ready to talk again. I, I never, I'm, I'm hopeful that they can produce something. I, I, I never say this is the last chance until election day, although that's 33 days away. Even if we were to come to agreement on language and money, the construct the, we're pretty ready because of the Heroes Act had its structure, had its um, uh, uh, ledge council approvals, had the CBO scoring and that. But when there are changes, there are changes in that, but still takes time. So um, I just think that if we come to a place that is hopeful, that hopefully we'll be ready to implement it, but that it's in the language. As you know, the devil is in the details. So are the angels, I like to say. I guess the cynic in me says, why? It does not seem like they are moving at all towards your position, at least from what we can see publicly. Because of the needs of the American people, I just think at some point they'll have to know that the American people have these needs. And the fact is that we are four and a half months from when we pass the HEROES Act, or three and a half months until we get sworn in as a new Congress, closer to a new Congress. Less than four months in time when we set, uh, um, inaugurate a new president of the United States. So we, we're getting ready for what comes next. But we need stuff now. And and. Some of you have asked, isn't something better than nothing? No. It can be an opportunity cost that says we're rewarding the wealthy because they're wealthy. They're successful at the expense of the poor. We're not going to exploit the needs that people have in order to once again increase the national debt uh, to help the high end. Yes. Yes, Chad. To that end, though, it, it seems as though we're at an inflection point right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we asked about, obviously, the question, nothing before the election, but, I mean, there's no inflection point between now and the election that would get us to that point of the fact that you're here voting. You just suggested a second ago 
that you hope you put the, the, the revamp bill, the bill you released on Monday, today, that suggests that there's nothing that can be resolved on this no, in the near term. No, no relationship to anything. No. Yeah. It just says, uh, you asked, here's what it is. This is how we came down. Uh, this is how we came down. We uh, uh, shortened some time periods. We moved some things on to the appropriations process, which is needs to be uh, negotiated soon if we're going to keep government open, as the CR uh, uh, indicates by the by the 11th of December. It, it is that they have no relationship to each other except to say this is what we're this is what we are. Um, pushing for. It's a mixture of, of motivations, uh, but our members are very eager to, uh, and I am too, and I, I, the, the joy of being part of a, uh, a dynamic, not rubber stamp, no lockstep caucus is, is is wonderful, I have to say. So we have a lot of uh, exuberance and vitality, and people worked hard. Our chairman and our committees worked hard uh, to meet the needs with science-based, academically justified, institutionally uh, um, respected amounts that are needed, whether it's rental assistance or mortgage assistance, whether it's food for the food insecure in our country, whether it's a uh, Healthcare. If you lose your job, if uh, we have a provision in there to uh, to immediately immediately have people qualify for the Affordable Care Act with the highest level of subsidy uh, for, uh, for being part of the system, uh, it doesn't require an open enrollment. So it's, it's a very smart bill. We're very proud of it, and we want to sit people to see what the possibilities are. It has more to do with that than whatever intricacies you had going there. Would I be of well let me just say and I thank you for asking about the vaccine. Uh, because what we have to do is have confidence, trust in the vaccine. And that means politics should have absolutely nothing to do with how the vaccine is approved. I'm so pleased that the pharmaceutical companies have said they will not market or promote a vaccine that does not go through the clinical trials that are required for approval and the approval of the advisory committee uh, that makes that recommendation. Uh, I don't like the uh, the pressure that the White House is bringing on all of this and the statements that maybe we don't need clinical trials nor as we normally do. We can just do it two instead of three and all that. No, this has to have the And let me salute the scientists at the FDA uh, and even some of the people at the CDC, not, not working on this project, but while I'm saluting, some of the people who are have been there for a long time of the highest caliber of science, now back the FDA working on this initiative. Uh, let science determine this, not politics. And then people will have confidence in the product. And again, we're talking about what the distribution of that is, and we have a significant amount of money in the bill for the distribution of it in an ethical and um, with equality and ethics, how it would be di uh, distributed. Uh, I'm not a big needle taker. 
I mean, I had a hard time getting my ears pierced. I'm not a big eagle player. I, I mean, they have to talk me into the flu shot under great duress each year. So, um, uh, but if it, it serves as a model to other people, yes, I would take the uh, the vaccine if it is approved uh, by the regular order of things. Yeah. Madam Speaker. Yes, ma'am, that's to be the last, I think, because I have to go to my day job. Not that that isn't this. About the Electoral College, you have been speaking about the importance of trying to block Republicans from having the majority of the state delegations. Can you explain why you're doing this and what you hope to accomplish and maybe tell us some of the races you're looking at? Well, no, I may not go into that, but well, maybe some. <laughs> Let me say this. The president has made clear that he will do everything to undermine the integrity of the election, declare victory with only the basis of those who voted that day, uh, discrediting vote by mail. Uh, that's one. Uh, the next thing he may try to do is to uh, have a chaos when it comes to a state. Joe Biden may win the state, the state legislature may be Republican and say, well, we're still sending Trump electors uh, to the Electoral College. They that won't carry really, but it takes time because it go to court. President loves to go to court, and that's one of the reasons that he's in a hurry uh, to beef up the court. So he has his protections uh, for all the chaos he would like to cause in the election. There'll be many, many, many court cases, and we've been involved in a number of them under the leadership of of uh, Eric Holder, who's done a great job under the National Dem Democratic uh, uh, Redistricting Committee that is also working on this, but many, Stacey Abrams, you name it, there are all kinds of uh, legal minds at work attracting other legal minds uh, to protect us in the courts and in the court of public opinion, where the president is saying to people, your vote doesn't count, the little vote, all that. Really? The president of the United States? Really? So uh, if all that chaos takes us to a time that could be past the, um, uh, the date when the electoral college is uh, must meet. The president has said, and and some of the. So I've been doing this a long time because I've been watching all the things that he might like to do: dismantle the postal system, invite, welcome Russian interference into our election. Vladimir Putin should decide who our president is, not the American people. You know all that stuff. We know that. So tracking all that. I'm a former chair of the party. I'm in politics because I love the policy and the issues and what it means to the American people. But campaigns, I thrive on, and uh, and elections. So on the election, there are three phases. The time leading up to election day, which we are in, and now more and more early voting has made it the election time as well as the preparation and the uh, uh, challenges to what he might put out there for voter intimidation and the rest of that. Okay. So the preparation and the early voting, election day, to make sure that his intimidation and his threat of, of intimidation and all the things that he has said uh, is countered and the people feel comfortable to vote if they culturally want to vote in person. I would advise them to do it early uh, so that it, their vote will be clearly counted in time. I would also advise them to vote by mail if they have any, uh, if they don't want to jeopardize their health. 
So uh, you asked me this question, which I love to talk about, so I'm trying to be brief, believe it or not. Okay, so then we go to the president saying at his rallies, at his, at his unmasked, no social distancing, dangerous rallies, I'm going to take this to the, the House could decide this. And he points out, uh, we have 26 Republican states. They have 22. So we have the edge in the House. Now, the Constitution, the 12th Amendment to the Constitution says the House shall choose if there's no resolution of the um, uh, at the Electoral College in a timely fashion. Some of you heard this over and over, so forgive me for my repetition. As you may recall, I said uh, that um, we will be ready. We will be ready. And uh, we are going to be ready. The Constitution clearly says majority. So 26 is one vote away, is one majority. We take one seat away from him, one state. Just so you understand, the House of Representatives voting by state. California has 53 members of Congress. We have one vote. One state, one vote. Alaska has one member of Congress, one vote. So you see the unfairness of it all, with all due respect to Alaska, Wyoming, North and South Dakota, Montana, et cetera, et cetera. So, the, um, so, that, so we have multiple opportunities where we can take down that one vote. And we also have multiple opportunities where we could get to 26 ourselves, but that's not necessary. No majority, then it goes into another range where the speaker becomes the, the acting, pre it's complicated after that. But our purpose, because your last question was the, really the culmination of it, what do you hope to accomplish by this? What we hope to accomplish is to send a very clear set message on election day to the president there ain't no light at the tunnel for you in the House of Representatives. It isn't going to work. So don't, don't cause chaos because you think it will lead to a light at the end of the tunnel. Because that light at the end of the tunnel in the House is going to be a train coming right at your plan. Thank you all very much. Have a nice day. Interesting. Very, very interesting this world, the current commander of the International Space Station, about to break a big record tonight. Here's ABC's Gio Benitez. They call it the Peggy Factor, mission control's code word for the way superstar astronaut Peggy Whitson always gets the job done. I love it up here. Tonight, Commander Whitson making history with her record for any American. By the time she lands in September, her tally will be 666 days. 666 days in space. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. I don't want to set the world on fire I just want to start a flame in your hope uh the obviously i'm going to be playing a lot of these clips uh the closer we are now it's 33 i hate that number kate strong word again i have to stop using it load that number uh but uh, I am going to be reminding you of what is being put out and what is being said now 
the video that I showed you, I'm going to play it again until the day that I don't play it as an intermission. Because, yeah, we should talk about that. Because time plays a very big role in that. And people need to be able to identify. They need to be able to identify the difference. Time is not how you perceive it. You know, actually, Gavin wins. Millie Weaver's husband, he has a video on his own YouTube that has like millions of views. And for some reason, whenever people fall asleep watching some video, <laughs> in the comments, you'll see people saying, why did I wake up to this video? It's him explaining time from, and it's a lot of physics. Let's just put it that way. But that is how Gavin and I met. And then Millie came into the picture, just so you guys know. We met through science, through the looking glass. So this is how we... <laughs> you know, went into that rabbit hole together. Um, he found me and we had some great uh, nerd discussions. So um, I uh, think uh, maybe one day I'm going, after Shadowgate 2 drops, I think uh, Gavin and I should do a talk, but I do not want to distract away from the election. So it would be probably just like a an extra episode, I guess, you know, outside of the news, because we have to keep on top of what is going on. Um, if you remember back in August and in July and early September, I had talked about Gina Haspel sitting on things and um, obfuscating and disallowing um, documents to be released. And, um, we need to talk about that. I mean, Gina, of all people, knows John very well. Um, and she also knows Owen. I know, that's confusing, right? So, um, yeah. So... <laughs> it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be quite interesting. So I want to play a clip uh, from this article that I have up from The Federalist where Tucker had a conversation with Davis, and here's what they had to say. This isn't just a, a scandal about Democrat projection. This is a scandal about what was a coup planned against the incoming administration at the highest levels. And, and I can report here tonight that these declassifications that have come out, uh, those weren't easy to get out, and there's in fact far more waiting to get out. Unfortunately, uh, those releases and declassifications, according to multiple sources I've talked to, are being blocked by CIA Director Gina Haspel, who herself was the uh, main link between Washington and London as the London station chief for John Brennan's CIA during the 2016 election. Recall it was London where Christopher Steele was doing all this work. And I'm told that it is Gina Haspel personally who's... And it was in London where we had pictures of them walking around the embankment and where they had coffee at Costa Coffee. We know the hotel they stayed at. We know where they stopped and ate. Um, the lovers were there, too. Those are my stomping grounds. I mean, you know what's funny? Okay, here's what's funny. So I had kind of nodded to you guys a few times over the past two years how, you know, the former CIA, you know, 
what do you want to play? What do you want to coin her? She was the chief of disguise, right? She said there's five women that run the intelligence community and you know three of them from the media. Now, she mentioned Gina. It was in that video too, if you remember. One thing a lot of people don't know is the corner they got caught on. <laughs> I mean, obviously, street cams are going to be shown, but there's other cameras because right around that area, there's a lot of, okay, let me make it easier for people to understand what I mean is there. Um, uh, so when you want to throw a party, okay, I did this for my daughters. Great, great, great comparison. So you guys get it. So, um, when we were living in North Dakota, it's like the lamest place. Like, well, where do you have a party? You don't want like a hundred people in your house. You want to decorate it. And there was this thing called e-ventures. So basically it's like, um, a small kind of like shop that's empty completely and you can get it decorated. So if you wanted a birthday party, you could get it themed and they'll put tables and balloons the way you want it. And then you can have your birthday party. If you make your own cakes or clothes, you can rent the space out for four, six hours and have a pop-up store, right? And sell your stuff. Um, so there's a lot of pop-up offices like that. And, um, you know, you would never, ever know uh, where they are. And so there's uh, better pictures than just grainy uh, because they were walking right outside offices like that. And not only the U.S. pops up, OK, uh, other nations do, too. And it's all right there. And you'd be like, well, why are they all in the same area? Because they're all spying on each other. Hello. Every single nation's like, oh, let's see what's going on. So it is um, I've been to a couple of these pop up places. Um, you know, and I, I must have been really dumb, I think, when I was young. Because in retrospect, I'm like, I, I knew. So it was like a few years apart um, that I went to the same place, but it was a different company. <laughs> and it didn't till like a later, it didn't till later, uh, maybe a week into working there. I'm like, wait a minute. I already knew where the bathroom was. I've been here before. <laughs> just, it didn't register. Uh, so it, it, it wasn't, I, I think maybe I was just not, I was so into what I was doing that I wasn't paying attention to those details yet, you know, because I have a solid memory. Um, you know, in retrospect, I, I remember things and I'm like, well, wait a minute, I've seen that before. Or wait a minute, this. So uh, what was curious to me is, They've been caught. Gina saw everything go down. And we're not talking about steel, okay? We're talking about the five eyes monitoring, okay? We're talking about Brennan using our stolen. I want to say it's stolen because he doesn't really have permission to um, ship our data offshore. Yours and mine and everybody's in between, so she knows that she knows that I know that. So she definitely knows that. So why would she be sitting on it? It's so much because she's part of it. That's the whole point. That's why you're there. You're going to have to come clean. This is the only way we can fix it. 
would be so much better if she just took the sword like like with honor and said, you know what? Hmm. I done so much. Oh my gosh. I don't even want to say that because that's not going to be a true same statement. Not about me, but if I, let's pretend I was Gina Haspel. Okay. I'd say I've done so much good work for my nation. I'm okay with taking down the CIA because it's corrupt to its core, but she's not, she's not because there's so many careers there. So many, so it was interesting how now they're figuring out she's been roadblocking and blocking everything they have. We know that. Blocking uh, continued declassification of these documents that will show the American people the truth of what actually happened. What, why are we putting up with this? I mean, they're, they're still holding documents from the Kennedy assassination, the Warren Commission documents. We still don't know everything there. Why is that 55 years later, seven years later? They're blocking the release of so many documents. Why doesn't somebody, anyone in power could do this, stand up and say, no, these are going public now? That's a great question. I think one reason is that so many of the people blocking these documents are likely implicated by them. Uh, you have these career bureaucrats whose careers may be destroyed by the facts that are within them. And I think at this point, uh, we need the president, Donald Trump, to step in and say no more obstruction, no more blocking. We need transparency and the American people need to hear the truth. And that means declassifying everything, letting everyone see everything about what happened so we can decide for ourselves before we vote in this election who we act. That's where it ends. Who we need to know before the election? No. No, 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 no. That's not how it should go. We should know all of it from forever and a day. And uh, this, you know, write-up is pretty simple. And, you know, people need to know the truth. The people, the American people need to know the truth. But here's the issue. Do the people really want to know the truth? I don't think people want to know the truth. I don't think people want to have that truth in their face. It terrifies them. And, and I understand why it would terrify them, because it would show them just how little they've been doing for their nation for a very, very long time. And that means you and I, that means everybody in between, we have allowed this to happen. This didn't just happen, you know, from one day to another, or they duped us. Nobody was willing to do anything. And that's the worst thing when you're, when you're at fault, when it's your fault yo fault that we're like this. All of us are responsible for this. Not this person more, not that person more, all of us. Because no one was paying attention when these people took the reins, took control, and raped our nation, our pockets, and everyone that is to come in the future. Nobody. We just let them use, use us. That's basically it, right? That is the key. Now, as we saw yesterday from Comey's hearing, as I said in the first hour, a lot of people were not talking about the undertone. And so what was the undertone? Aside from the fact that he was lying through his teeth, right? And had a really crappy memory for someone that was director of the FBI and former acting attorney general of the United States of America, I would say his memory sucks. He couldn't recall. He didn't know. He was kind of thinking about it. Kind of made you sick. So let's get to that right now and see what 
somebody else had to say about Comey's very horrible memory, super horrible memory. Here we go. James Comey's fuzzy memory, frustrating senators, including our next guest, as they grill him on the origins of the Russian probe. What effort had been made to verify the dossier in October? I don't know specifically. Did you ask any questions or do any due diligence on this at all? I don't remember anything about the, the facts that have been revealed recently about the subsource. With all due respect, you don't seem to know anything about an investigation that you ran. So is he the king of England? And did Andy McCabe run everything as uh, his uh, sec- uh, next most important person in the uh, FBI? Are we supposed to believe that? Uh, the man that asked that emotional question, Senator Michael A. Center. I, I read the transcript. I couldn't see it. It must have been frustrating. James Comey admitted about the FISA court. If I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have gotten on Carter Page. But besides that, what did you get from him? Very, very little other than his ongoing old school caterwauling and blatant antipathy toward the current president of the United States. Antipathy that I would add is not born in fact. It's based on an unarticulated suspicion or hunch. It's based on his mood. He blatantly accused the president of the United States, even in that hearing yesterday, of horrible things without any evidence, even after acknowledging he didn't know what he was talking about when he signed the certification to the FISA court. So he gets fired and then everything goes crazy. We end up with the Mueller report. And in retrospect, we go back to this dossier. And the reason why it matters, we know for sure, had everything to do with these FISA warrants that were issued. Do you believe he was being uh, untruthful when he said he didn't know when he briefed the president of the United States if the dossier was true or not, knowing what we know now? It seems difficult for me to accept that on face value, given what we know now. And I have to say, Brian, nothing that he said yesterday gave me an added degree of confidence or any added reason to believe his account, which had already been severely undermined after previous hearings we've had on this, including our conversations with Sally Yates. So, yeah, Peter Strzok, you're looking to get Andy McCabe, you're looking to to go through and then we'll find out what's going to happen. Senator, there's another major story happening. People want to say, you know, I'm going to vote for President Trump. I'm going to vote for uh, Vice President Biden. What's the big deal? Power switches. But there are indications that our country will never look the same if the Democrats are able to get the White House, hold the House and the Senate. What will change? On day one. Wait. Before he tells you, I think it's important we see Biden's America. This is a movement, I'm telling you. They're not going to stop, and they should not. These people are tearing up our lives. A third straight night, Portland police declared a riot. The vast majority of the protests have been peaceful. Over the weekend, 59 officers injured and 47 people arrested. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announced a proposal to cut a billion dollars from the New York City Police Department. We need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. guys is joe biden's america that is the america they want but i'm going to tell you something something from beyond per se as history that i have said i want you to 
to, to, to think about a show that we did back in April. And it was one, oh, one that I did a very long time ago. I think it was a year ago, August, end of August, I think it was. Because I've been actually plowing through them because I'm missing episodes, believe it or not. That's why I uh, re-listened to it. Because I was like, why are they missing off the thing? They've been deleted. <laughs> and I know why. See, in August of 2019, toward the end of it, I had said in a part of a show, wow, the economy is so great next year. 2020, August 2020, we're going to be gearing up for the elections. And there's going to be nothing that they can run on. We have a fabulous economy. We've got jobs. We've got, uh, you know, restructuring of the healthcare system. And that's because that was on the books. And that would have been our America right now if the infodemic didn't happen. If the power that we gave to world organizations did not exist. See, they wouldn't have been able to use unemployment at lows and trying to call this economy a failure because supposedly you're not supposed to be able to predict pandemics, correct? So here we are in 2020, 33 days away from the election. And this was expected because actually I, I knew that the U.S. was going to get hit with a blow. Now, there were many options. And because at that time I was not allowed to speak, I couldn't say much. The only thing I said was we should be prepared that all this good that we are enjoying now, all this winning we're having now is going to be toppled the minute the indictments are ready to be released, the minute Everything is going to happen because SCOTUSgate is going to pop and that's going to happen just after SCOTUS. Well, we already know it happened in February, but I even said, let's wait till the State of the Union because that's the marker. And here it was. So they brought this disease. I want to call it a disease. This infodemic, this pandemic. Where we, as a nation on paper, this is why I have always been saying, defund the UN, defund the world trade, defund everything world, everything world. Let's get rid of it. Because they were able to manipulate us. Again, they had this already set. This was plan B. Plan A you know, it was actually plan C. Plan A was the impeachment. Plan B was to cause the disruption in the Middle East uh, via Iran, um, you know, to show him as a failure for pulling troops out. That didn't work. So here is where the infodemic occurred. Happenstance, happen, chance, whatever. And the counter to that is by calling out and pulling the pants down of the military-industrial complex that helped promote it. This is why we took control of the data being crunched. This is why Shadowgate dropped when it dropped. It was all the counter. This is how everything is countered. Because the minute that was coming in to focus, the reports were being done in March, in April, in May and in June, we took 
control and took it back and said, no more. Remember, I had told you there's two CDCs, but they're one in the same. I wonder if anyone actually looked into that to see the differences. Now, this was the perfect way for them to pull the pin, but they were not expecting, they were not expecting to be called out and not Pelosi and Schiff and all these other disgusting clowns and Comey and Brennan and then, and then, and then, but the people that actually make the moves and that's the generals. You saw August was the hottest month aside. Most of you will say, nobody got arrested. I didn't see nothing. No, no. Yes, you did. You have to see it. You have to see it. Take a step back right now and see what happened. After August 14th, when that, when that shadow gate dropped, what happened? All of the generals, 720 of them, the following week, turned around and denounced the president. This is where we're having a problem, the Pentagon. They are our defense. They are supposed to be protecting us from people, from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Both foreign and domestic. So it is very important that we understand just how well planned they had it. And how many multiple wrenches were thrown into it? China was the catalyst. Remember, they have said this before, and I said it on my New Year's plan, uh, the, the show where I said, yo, AI, China, that's the threat. Don't listen to what they're telling you. AI, China, AI, China. This is what we've had. AI screwing with us every single day, every single day, pushing, pushing, pushing. So think CDC, two of them, great job, Trauma Mama, CDC and CDC Foundation. CDC Foundation seems like a money laundering influence organization. Guess who's behind that? I want you to think who are the ones that are making the most? We have had so much disinformation, fake photos, fake videos, fake reports, fake this, fake that. How do you know what's true? You don't. That's the thing. You don't. You have to rely on yourself and say, am I okay with taking this decision and accepting this truth for yourself and carry the burden that that is going to translate into your children? I've said up until the elections, you've got time to find your center, to find your true north, where you sit and what sounds right, to be able to use your judgment, your judgment. You have to look, what are the most important things in a government? Think about it this way. It's, if you're looking at your president, what are the most important tools he has? His cabinet, right? Aside from God and faith, his cabinet, his cabinet, and then what? His defense, and then what? His intelligence community, and then what? His law enforcement, the DOJ. So if you are now looking at President Trump, you're looking at his DOJ, kind of looks like it's in control. And we'll talk about that because we're going to talk about Ray next. So we got that kind of, his intelligence community, it's a clusterfuck. It's like, it's, it's like nobody wants to talk. Everybody wants to talk. They're being pushed to talk, but they don't want to talk. We have Ratcliffe there who's kind of drip, drip, drip because he's going through mounds of red tape and what you're allowed and what you're not allowed. I would just like him to pull the pin, let it all explode out there. Like Rick Grinnell said, just pull it all out. And just drop it. Just drop it and let them scramble. So we got the intelligence community, right? And then on his right, he's supposed to have his defense. That 
the defense part, your military, your top brass, not your rank and file, your top brass. We got a few stragglers on the rank and file, but your top brass, that is the problem because they are utilizing the Chinese tools, weapons that are meant for our enemies against us because for some reason they believe that the people are the enemies. Why? Because the people can overthrow the government. Now, we're not looking to overthrow President Trump, but we are threatening their power. The IC, the Pentagon, and the Justice Division. So right now, I want you to understand when people are not talking about the military industrial complex, not talking about these bad generals, they are not your friend. That is the fifth column. The fifth column is not just your clandestines that you have no idea who they are, right? Like me, but it's your top brass. And those that are sitting there telling you how, hey, we're like totally, totally President Trump, MAGA this, MAGA that. Oh, yeah. You know, I follow Q. I'm a patriot. Bullshit. If you're not talking about the real problems, you're not doing a service to anyone that's listening to you. End of story. The fifth column is always your clandestines mixed with your brass, okay? The Praetorians. That's what it is. The ones that know best. That fourth unelected branch of government, because we have three branches of government, but there's a fourth unelected. I've been talking about that. Fourth unelected branch of government is the military industrial complex. And it's not just about selling weapons, you guys. It's about making themselves rich. They don't have to sell you a weapon or a missile or blow a place up. They just need to keep people in check. So again, when you're using artificial intelligence, which is a weapon of mass destruction against the people, the people that you're supposedly serving, that's a problem. That is a very big problem. So when you see people claiming patriotism, claiming love of country, and then they're talking about stupid crap like just McChrystal, the lowest hanging fruit ever, right? Lowest hanging fruit. But not talking about Jones, not talking about Hayden, not talking about the former Joint Chiefs of Staff, not talking about what's going on at the Pentagon. You know exactly where the problem is, that they are not for you. For all of those calling people out, oh, Assange needs to get here, first of all. That's number one. We need Assange in the United States of America, period. The last thing we need is what? People like Snowden. Snowden is not a good person. Not a good person. Not at all. And he helped Brennan create the situation we are in now. Anyone saying, oh, Snowden's a patriot, doesn't know what they're talking about. He chose his side when he twinned that stream. That's the fifth column right there. That is right there. I've said it. When I hear people bundling Assange and Snowden together, it's like, bleh, barf. You obviously have no idea what you're talking about. Again, when I'm able to, because I got to wait for statute of limitations, right, to expire, on all ends, some the majority have, uh, we'll get into the International Consortium of Journalists. That one was taken over, just like WikiLeaks was taken over. You'll understand. This is why we need Assange home. And you say, but he's not American. This is his home. 
This is the only place where he will actually be free, regardless if it's extradition under the guise of extradition. We need him here. So anyone talking about freeing him and let him go doesn't understand exactly who he is and where he is right now. So um, on that, on that, we are seeing a lot of obfuscation. 33. I hate that number. So today is a day that is worth prayers, but this is a new dawn for us walking in because this is where it gets hot. It's super hot and a lot is going to be coming forward a lot because they know what's coming and they can't stop it. They can't. Their box has expired. Their eyes are not impartial. I mean, I can be as Trump loving as possible. I could see president, but I will smell his poop and it will not smell like flowers. And I will call him out when he does something wrong. I am not a blind person. Hence why I'm like, we don't need uh, a partisan moderator. We want to know, we want the hard questions because that's where you shine when you're under pressure. So I just wanted to make that note for you guys as we finish up with Senator Lee here and jump into Ray. Um, Because with Ray, you're going to understand what doom spies really are. I think they will nuke the filibuster. Uh, The simplest way of explaining what that means is they'll violate the rules of the Senate in order to get rid of the longstanding rule that in order to get to a final vote, to bring debate to a close on a particular legislative matter, you've got to have 60 votes. They'll get rid of that, take it down to a simple majority. Next, they will add uh, at least a couple of states, uh, District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, giving them four additional Democratic seats in the United States Senate. Then they will probably pack the Supreme Court, as Joe Biden himself refused to dispute uh, his plan to do that on national television just the other night. Those three things taken together, setting aside everything else they might do about, you know, increasing taxes, setting aside anything else they might do on the Green New Deal or other horrible things, those three things just taken alone will fundamentally change the the course of history and not in a good way. They could get uh, add seats to the House. Yes. Yes, uh, uh, absolutely. And, and see, what happens is once you set in motion this sequence of events, you can go decades with one party rule and with one party rule under a party that's given itself increasingly uh, to the, the far left progressive socialist agenda. It's going to change our economy and in ways that we should find very distressing. Senator, as a constitutionalist who knows our history as well as anyone in Washington for you. This, has, this is a message that has to get out. This isn't just a change of power. It's a change of the foundation of how we're governed. Yeah, that's exactly right. They're trying to change the form and the system, the structure of our government. And uh, once you do that, you, you end up in some really troubled territory. Um, about 80 or so years ago, there was a party that seized power in Mexico called the PRI. The Partido Revolucionario Institucional, the the People's Institutional Revolutionary Party. Uh, That party stayed in power for the better part of a century. I fear that that's where we could be headed here. Unbelievable. Uh, Senator Mike Lee, uh, thanks so much. I don't think that came out in the debate last night, but it really should the other night. Uh, Thanks, Senator. Yeah, it didn't come out in the debate last night. A lot didn't come out in the debate the other night. It did not. 
but that's purposeful. Again, we have to look back into the debates that President Trump had with Hillary Clinton that were completely fixed. She had a listening device on her tongue, which is a marker, really. <laughs> that's a whole other rabbit hole that one day I may take you down. We've got eight years, so we'll do this. Because an awakened America is an awesome America. So um, we had a, a call for FBI Director Ray to resign. Now, uh, let's listen to the first two minutes of this. This is a six-minute you know, clip. I want you to listen to the first two minutes, and then I'll explain to you what Ray's role is. Covering us last night, Congressman Doug Collins, he's with us now with the breaking news. Congressman, what's going on? Well, I think it's amazing to me. I am just, you know, with Jim Comey in the, at the Senate committee today, how many times can he get away with, I don't remember, I don't know what is going on, and, and then come to the conclusion that he took responsibility when it was okay. Remember, he took responsibility for signing those uh, affidavits. He took uh, com uh, responsibility for actually running this investigation, and he thought it was so cute that two years ago he said, we're going to, we actually upped, he actually committed to uh, the action he took against General Flynn, saying we knew we could get into the Obama, into the administration as they were in transition from Obama, that we could actually get in and see what was actually going on. It's just a time that the American people need to see through the sham that is Jim Comey. It should have happened a long time ago. And it, so uh, what, what we're seeing is just bad at this point. So what are you proposing to do about the FBI? We're, we're hearing that you've got breaking news for us involving yes. FBI Director Christopher Wray. Well, it leads exactly out of what we just said, Liz, about Comey, but it goes to Christopher Ray. Christopher Ray has been stonewalling and dragging his feet, getting information to the Hill. It seems like every time that we have to, the Senate committees or us have, have to ask for information, it seems like it takes forever to get out. And finally, this last uh, declassification from John Ratcliffe actually showed us that the, it went all the way back to Hillary Clinton. Are you asking for him to resign? Are yes, you asking are. for again. the FBI director to resign? You are. Yes. We who are who for him else is besides again. yourself? Uh, right now, we've who had else several folks coming in. to resign? I don't know. They line up behind me because I've been asking for it for the last uh, four or five months because I'm tired of Christopher Ray running the department and not doing the changes that he said he's making. And every time we peel back, he simply looks like protecting the upper management and the practices at the FBI. It's time for him to go. It's time for a change. That's why we have again repeated today that it's time for him to resign. All right. We're going to stay in the story. we got to move on to what's going on with the Supreme Court yes. nominee, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. The Senate Democrats refused to meet with her. Senator Chuck Schumer said to do so would legitimize the process. <laughs> They're going to try to stonewall her nomination so she doesn't get to rule on an Obamacare case that's coming up in a couple of months that could invalidate it as unconstitutional because of the individual mandate forcing people to be hit with a tax in order to, and if they don't buy health insurance. So, you know, can they get a, can that happen? And if she's seated anyway, why Stonewall? Well, I think they're just trying to make a point for the election. This has all become political theater for Schumer and the rest of the Democrats in the Senate. And this is a sad thing because they went from everything from attacking this woman's faith and her family to attacking her background and now just attacking the system. This is set up to where the president is doing exactly what he's supposed to do. The Senate is uh, doing what they're supposed to do, and that is to have hearings, and then they can actually act on it. The American people will get to vote on what President Trump has done, and that's what they're scared of. They do not like a female who actually, who has been, the female has been nominated because it was not 
nominated by President Trump. She has impeccable background, impeccable law credentials, and she's going to actually interpret the law and not legislate it. They're scared of having someone like her on the bench for a number of years that actually will be faithful of fidelity to the Constitution. So they're just trying to smear her until yeah. they can actually try to get this done. Congressman, does it make any sense that they're attacking her on her Catholic faith when the majority of those sitting on the Supreme Court, court are Catholics? Uh, Judge Barrett would be one of six Catholics on the bench. She would be uh, joined by an Episcopalian who was raised as a Catholic and two Jewish justices. Sonia Sotomayor and Clarence Thomas are both Catholics. They are ideological opposites. So why go after her on her Catholic faith? It is pretty amazing. Again, so... Have you noticed what has happened with the Catholic faith? I told you. So he was supposed to sign a document a couple of days ago. And that was actually blocked by Pompeo. So yesterday I tweeted after, uh, you know, it was then public by Pompeo. I had tweeted out that, um, you know, he, the Pope rejected U.S. Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo to visit the Vatican because he was supposed to go to the Vatican. Remember, he's on a regional tour. He's in Greece sorting out, you know, the whole war thing going on over there. And I said, he's upset. His meeting at The Hague to sign the dock was canned because President Trump brought peace in the Middle East. And they're upset because in order to sign that, you had to have everybody on board. That is the thing. You can't get it to work. Because that's the way that I had someone tweet back to her. Are you working for Pompeo now? <laughs> Am I supposed to be working for anyone other than the people in the future of my children? Are you kidding? I'm supposed to be working for America, dude. I can't even believe that he said that. But, you know, trolls are trolls. But uh, here is something that someone tweeted. Hague info. The intention is to give religious world leaders like the Catholic Pope, the Muslim Grand Mufti and Buddhist Dalai Lama to sign a declaration of friendship in The Hague, a global pact amongst religions, movement toward establishing the one world religion. See, there we go. We talked about that months ago, right? When I told you that it was going to happen on September 30th, but it didn't happen because he said, no, Pompeo, you're not coming. So today there was a whole thing on Catholicism and everyone's bashing Catholicism. And again, Catholicism doesn't fall on the Pope. If you remove the Pope from the equation, you still have your religion. I know obviously Catholicism was built on the fact of having uh, an earthborn, and I don't see how, entity to be the direct spiritual leader to God, which I don't see. But this was the problem. Okay. This was the major problem. And I told you guys that he was going to sign it and they were going to push it and they've been pushing it. And you know what? I'm actually proud of the Orthodox faith because now, you know, there are leaders within the Balkan areas, how the Ukraine already did it because they decided they're making their own church. And there's been a lot of petitions to make a lot of factions of the Orthodox religion. Now there's two main ones, which is the Greek Orthodox and Russian. There's no difference. There is absolutely no difference. It is exactly the same. It's just that one wants to control and the other one doesn't. But then the Russian was like, okay, fine. You guys can control some of the stuff. We're also protectors of, you know, the relics and stuff. So you guys can control the other stuff because we've got Putin and, um, Oh my gosh, his name is slipping from my mind. His right-hand man, they're actually going to Mount Athos again, uh, which is like uh, where all the monks 
go. And even in COVID, they were approved to go under conditions. So religion, there's a war in Christianity that's big. So now that we have Amy coming into the picture, shining more light on Catholicism, this is going to be tight because it's going to be really hard for those that are supposedly with the Pope and have the Pope's support to come out against Amy. And it's going to be really difficult for those to support, to go after the Pope because of Amy. I, I can't explain it to you in any other way, uh, but it's just been perfect you know, perfectly set, you know, perfect. I mean, there are no coincidences. It's perfectly set. So, um, uh, you know, they're attacking religion because Christianity is not Catholicism. Christianity is Christianity, period. And from there, we have Episcopalians, Pentecostals, you know, Catholics, Orthodox, Lutherans, Protestants, you name it. The basis is Christianity. And so that's the war that's also going that no one's paying attention to. We've been talking about how they're separating the churches, how they're doing this, how they're doing that. Well, now you see religion at the forefront here because they're attacking Amy for it. The Pope's really pissed because now he can't attack Amy because there is no one world pact that should have happened. And now they're stuck. They pushed it out till October 12th where they're going to start the whole discussion, and you can't go into a hung election with a 4-4 split because this is going to have the Supreme Court talk about it. And you can't have a 4-4 split. Do you know why? Because then it's going to become 4-3 real quick, and they know it because Justice Roberts is going to be out of the picture instantly. And just in case he's not, the backup is Amy. What, Tori? Yeah, it would be a 4-3 a because Roberts will be out of the picture in a heartbeat. Because all we have to do, President Trump said it, and I told you two years ago, and I've been telling you since 2018, we have tapes. You can't have conversations with the president without tapes. Yes, yes, Barack Hussein Obama, right before he left, you know, well, at the beginning he did it, he sealed his presidential archives hmm. by executive order. That is the first thing he did. Minutes after he was sworn in, put concrete boots on transparency like that. But, you know, after all, yes, presidential archives, yes, they're sealed, but we don't have to release the tapes. We can release the transcript. And if they say the transcript is false, then we're going to say, all right, then let's release the tapes. Let's let the people hear it. <laughs> you think they're going to let that happen? You see, this is how you get them in the corner. Now, here we go with Christopher Ray. What is going on, right? Everyone wants him out of the picture. We'll get to that. I just think we should listen to what Collins has to say in regards to Amy Barrett, but I wanted to give you the little underlying war that no one's talking about. It's like the big elephant in the room. Everyone's riding on that elephant, but nobody wants to talk about it. I thought I'd give you a little bit of pretext so you can understand how important her nomination is right now in the midst of all of this. Especially when the Constitution specifically says there will be no religious test for office and, and when we understand this. I think it's that they're just, uh, again, they have had an antithesis to religion because it gets to the very heart of some very moral issues. Healthcare, abortion, and the, and the tragedy that has been sprung on our country for 50 years of the murder of innocents in the womb. They don't want to talk about that because it contradicts their own Catholic faith in many cases. But it is very sad that they, while attacking her for her Catholic faith, they're raising and praising uh, 
uh, Joe Biden for his. Michelle Obama saying that he's guided by faith. It seems that they're only guided by faith when their faith fits their political agenda. They don't like it when a faith of someone else differs from their political agenda. Well, they also don't like that Judge Barrett has criticized the Affordable Care Act's, uh, <laughs> you know, an individual mandate in the past. You know, the thing is, is that the president said last night that Judge Barrett does have liberal supporters, including Harvard law professor Noah Feldman. He was one of the experts that Democrats called in to testify. And Notre Dame Law School professor O. Carter Sneed. Uh, he said liberals should not fear Judge Barrett. Um, but, you know, we keep hearing again and again the smears and attacks, uh, you know, people on the other network saying, you know, that she's a, quote, white colonizer who's using her two adopted children from Haiti as, quote, props. Uh, if you want to really alienate people and not have people listen to you anymore and ruin your credibility, keep saying things like that. What do you think of that? I think it's disgusting. It's, 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 they should be fired immediately. I mean, when you think about this, this is a lady who has kids, who has a special needs child, who has adopted. This is the very epitome of a family that you want in America, a blended family, one that comes together that shows love, that God has given us hope and grace through our families. And she's the very epitome of that. And also is a very accomplished woman outside her family, working and in, in, in influencing other women to be the best that they can be. It's abhorrent that these other networks are saying that because she's adopted children, uses this props. Their only concern is they want a amoral agenda that seems to be out from what she is. But why are you attacking the very ones you supposed to lift up? You go to these other networks, they're lifting up women and all these other opinions. Yeah. They just don't like it when it differs from them. And they should be fired as well. She's just sim she's simply saying she's not going to legislate from the bench and <laughs> she's not going to treat the su Supreme Court as a super legislature for anybody's political ideologies. Congressman, it's great to have you on. Will you come back soon? I will. It's good to see you, Liz. Take care. Is it me or Liz is like super dry? I'm just saying <laughs> she's so dry. Oh my gosh. I, I just wanted to say, and I'm not going to tell, I promise I'm not going to tell, but I'm really excited. So I'm just going to say this. I just got notification of the title of Shadowgate three. It's so good. It's so good. I'm not going to tell, but it's so good. Oh my gosh. So good. Um, so I just want to say, I got that today. I, like I said, it's my fault that Shadowgate 2 release is late because we have to go over some stuff on that. But I'm just going to say it's so good. I mean, I couldn't have even, you know, this is why, you know, Gavin is such a bright mind. Like I, listen, guys, we were talking, talking, talking. And, you know, Millie, like I said, I didn't talk to Millie till like way later. Me and him were just talking science stuff he is incredible you know maybe by me saying it on air too it'll manifest we should do a couple of song uh songs did i say that we should do a couple of um shows together um on time we should so i'm saying it to manifest it all right so great title so now we see how they're losing the fight in regards to using religion as a weapon. We're, they're using the fight on both ends because they have their backup plan, you see? You see? And that just totally got done. And so that's exciting. But let's get into Ray. So I've, I've look at your hand, okay? And I want you for a moment to think. Which one of your fingers? I have a friend, actually, who's missing fingers. And I, I think he uh, would be able to vouch. But... Think, is there any finger on your hand that if you didn't have, 
would obviously cause you considerable hindrance. Think about it. I mean, is there a finger that you would spare and still have full control and, and, and uh, functionality of your hand? Because you have five fingers, right? You would say your thumb. Your thumb is actually very important to grasp things. There isn't any finger that you can lose without deterring your ability to function perfectly. I'm telling you that for a fact. You can't. Because you will lose a grasp on something, no matter what. You'll adjust, and it won't be as strong, right? You can adjust. Don't get me wrong. You can adjust and maybe complete the task. But regardless, your grasp will not be as strong. And this is how it works in espionage and in operations. So there's five types of spies. We've gone through this before. So. I, in, in, rec- in, in regards to strength, I will speak. So your thumb would be your surviving spies, okay? Because your surviving sp- spies are the one that allow you, if you can picture you putting your hand to grasp around the neck of corruption and evil and an enemy, your thumb is necessary, right? So your surviving spies are the most important for me is the surviving spies. Then your index finger, the pointer, I point, I point. Those are your inward spies. And that's when you have top echelon of your enemy as your spies, right? Then the big FU finger, the middle finger, right? Which is great because your thumb and your middle finger can wrap around something together, right? If you put them together, right? They can. And so those spies are what? Your local spies. Meaning that they're the the people that are around around your enemy. So it could be the dishwasher, you know, unknowing spies, I would like to call them, right? Or some of them are knowing, but the, you know, but they're not top echelon. So they're your janitor, (laughs) your post-it lady, you know, so they're the middle finger, right? Your local spies. Then you have your ring finger, which again, coming together with your thumb can grasp. It's a little bit weaker, but it grasps a lot tighter, a lot tighter than you would think if you grab it with your ring finger and your thumb. Those, those are the spies that you would call doomed spies. The doomed spies. And the pinky or the converted spies, you can't really trust those. Uh, Yeah, you can wrap it around, but the wraparound is a lot smaller. It's a lot smaller. So out of all of these, uh, oh, and I just wanted to say, your doom spies are the ones that do things like, oh, look at me, I'm pushing this book off of there. That way, our spies, right, know that those are the spies. And then those spies report to the enemy. So like, for example, if I were working for the deep state and I was a doom spy, I would be in an office, I don't know, maybe being FBI director, and I would totally do something like, oh, I'm going to 
put this paper over here accidentally. I'm going to slip in some truth. But look, everyone, I'm slipping it in. Look. And then, you know, someone else who's an actual spy for me that's been at the highest, you know, an inward spy, which is one of the highest echelon for the enemy that's actually my spy, will go to people like Pelosi, the Clintons, the generals and say, hey, you know what? That doomed spy, they don't know that I'm a doomed spy, but, you know, Ray, put that in there. We got to stop it. You got to do something. And then the bad guys go back to Ray and say, oh, you know, you got to check this and they pull it out. I hope you got that example. So Ray is what you call a doomed spy. He's doing things out in the open so that we can tell the enemy he's doing it. He's like, yep, I'm just totally. And the enemy's like, yeah, let me tell you how you're going to do it. You're going to fix it like this. You're going to do it like this. And he'd be like, Tori, why are you saying it? They're listening to you. Yeah, but it's too late. Goodbye, Hayden. You know what I'm saying? It's too late, man. We already caught you. We already caught you. This is why Ray and his legal team is advising Comey on what to say and what to do. Because they think he's one of them. He's really one of us. He's a sleeper for the good guys. And he's making it out. How do I know? Well, you know, skiff meetings and all. I always have a fly on every single wall. Fly is an FLI. So I want you to understand that the only way you win is by having all five fingers. And that's how you win hard and win good. And when it looks like you're losing, you're really winning and you have to make it look like you're losing so that people can go through the motions. I can't just pull the veil and Scooby-Doo you and then show you the devil's face. You'll probably have a heart attack, an aneurysm, or have PTSD. Instead, I'm going to give you some popcorn and let you watch this and write it out. That's all. You have to trust that some people are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Now, what? We don't trust. Well, you know, Matt, you did a good job there. Whitaker did a good job. And uh, <laughs> they all did a good job. All of them did. There aren't as many bad people within positions that you think there are. Okay. This is it. There aren't bad people. I mean, it was Ray that gave us Rosenstein, even though I had said, Hey, he went to Canada, talked with the Canadians. Remember? Oh, contracts referring to how the FBI handled the investigation. Duh. Have you seen Shadowgate one? Uh, anything about the Canadian intelligence company? Hello. Who did that? Rod Rosenstein 2017 when he went to Canada. Hello. And who signed off on it? Who signed off on those private contracts? Lofner, career professional. That's a question we need to ask ourselves. So that's how it goes. I mean, I wrote an article, I think in 2018, telling people, hey, and that was the most recent event. And it was so public that it's like, are you not ashamed that you just did this? So bad. So bad. CGI, man. They got $40 million of a contract. And I even told Whitaker, that kind of sounds like a lot of paper shredding. Why do we have to hire Canadians for it? Why? 
Because then you can skirt around the spying within the United States because it's another country that's your friend that's doing the spying, you see? And Canada is one of the three nations that has ample amount of Muslim brotherhood. So <laughs> it's coming down to the wire. Things are looking great. Uh, so that is how things are going to be moving forward. Um, on that note, I want to wish you guys a fabulous evening. Uh, I think we've caught up with what is important to know um, for today. Uh, there should be coming. There should be some news coming out this evening, if not early tomorrow morning, but I believe it's this evening. Uh, so keep your eyes out. Make sure you pray. Make sure you're focused on uh, just being true to yourself. And at the end of it, I mean, we're winning, so it doesn't matter. God bless everyone. I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a fire.